That's better. I know we've got fans on, so we'll make sure we can hear. Are we live? Okay. Alrighty. Good evening and welcome to the service tonight, those who are here and those who are uh, watching us online. We welcome you in. Uh, thank you for joining us. We are going to go before the Lord and then we'll get started with what we're going to get into tonight. Father, we just thank you for this time together. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your power and we praise you tonight. We give you glory for all that you are doing in our lives. We thank you for your manifest presence. We thank you, Father, that there is none like you. And so we give you glory and praise for all that you will say to us tonight. We are receivers and doers in this house. And we thank you, Father, that as we step out and do your word, we see results every time. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. Welcome this evening. Hallelujah. Well, uh, tonight... Uh, we are going to, as you see, we don't have a Let's Talk session tonight, but uh, I enjoyed the one we had last week uh, with Miss Z Lopes. That was just powerful. I love hearing about God's uh, intervention in our lives and how he moves and works with us and so and how we get victory and so that was such an awesome testimony victory over trauma and so if you are joining us online today and you weren't with us last week i encourage you to go back and watch the replay of last wednesday's let's talk segment with z i know it will be a blessing to you uh, so in, if you're uh, desiring to sit at the table and do a Let's Talk segment, just pick up a sheet on the back table and get that to Christina and we'll get you scheduled. I look forward to having more of those. Hallelujah. So this evening we're going to continue with the series we started called Signs to Look For Just Before Jesus Comes. These are the signs that Jesus himself said we would see more frequently and with greater intensity right before he returns. And he took the time to go over each and every one of these with his followers. And so uh, this is something that we are going to look at and we've been looking at it. Uh, this is the period when we say right before Jesus comes, that marks the end of this age. People ask me, and I'm sure they've asked you, uh, if, once they find out that you're a believer, do you believe the world's going to end? You know, that's a question we get often. <laughs> I believe that the age, the end of the age is coming. Yes, I do. <laughs> and what marks that is Jesus will return. And so we're excited about that. Amen. Uh, so again, the foundation scriptures for this series are found in Mark chapter 24, verse 4 to 14, and then Mark chapter 13, verse 5 to 13, and then Luke 21, verse 8 to 19. These are the, you know, the, Jesus is talking to his followers, to the disciples and those hearing him, and these, the three different accounts of the same teaching that he's giving. Uh, so each... I love how each disciple has a different, they bring a different perspective depending on what their background is. And so uh, 
I really like the details in Matthew 24, and that's the one that we are looking at. So we've talked about spiritual deception, wars, rumors of wars, and commotions, nations against nations, kingdoms against kingdoms. We talked about famines, pestilences, and diseases, including pandemics, earthquakes, fearful sights, great signs, and lastly, persecutions. All subjects that make you want to run up around the church, don't I? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> they're they're kind of heavy subjects. And so, but why are we doing this? Why are we talking about these signs? One, because Jesus talked about them. And that's a real good reason we could stop right there and just not even continue on. But the second reason that we're looking at them is so we're aware and we prepare. And what are we preparing? Our faith response. What are we gonna do when we start seeing these things with greater intensity and greater frequency? We're going to be prepared. We're gonna know, oh, this is what Jesus said. He, he warned us about this. We're not caught off guard. We're not surprised. We're aware, but we're prepared. And our faith response is prepared. We're, we're ready for that, just as we do with everything else we're supposed to do as believers. Be prepared. And so uh, this evening, we're going to look at the sign that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 11. It says, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. The word many is the Greek word, word which means multitudes. At the end of the age, as the end of the age approaches, we are going to see multitudes of false prophets rise and they will deceive multitudes of people. This deception is going to affect huge numbers of people. Hallelujah. It's not just a few people here and there, but it's a large amount of people. The phrase false prophets here speaks of someone who claims divine inspiration, but who is not sent by God. When he's talking about false prophets, that's what he's talking about. He or she says they are speaking by God-given revelation, but they are pseudo or they are false, in other words. Now, these false prophets may come from a place of being deceived themselves, or they may come intentionally to deceive. So there's two, there's two ways they'll come. They, they're deceived. Ever talk to someone who's deceived? Don't. <laughs> You'll <laughs> <can> be frustrated <laughs> because they don't know they're deceived. You're not deceived if you know. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, some are, are, are not, they don't, they're not aware that they're deceived. They're coming from a place where they themselves are deceived. And then others are coming to intentionally deceive. In either case, Jesus indicates that there will be multitudes of false prophets and that multitudes will follow them. Uh, notice it says, shall rise. This word rise indicates that they will show up in the world in a notable way. 
They'll show up in a notable way. And we've seen religions throughout the years since I've been born, <laughs> cults, they've multiplied rapidly just in the days that we've been living in. And we're about to see many more. Each of these religions have their own version of the truth. Some similarities, each one has been founded by an individual or individuals who have claimed to have a special visitation from God, uh, whether it be an angel, a dream, or some other supernatural means. They state they received a revelation that either doesn't exist within the Bible or that alters the meaning of the Bible. That's, you can see it all throughout all these different religions and things that have come up. Millions have pledged their allegiance to these religions. Millions. Now, <laughs> we can spend lots of time talking about these different religions and cults because the list is very long. Uh, but I'll just name a few here. I'll just name a few, and these will be familiar to you. Joseph Smith. <laughs> Sound familiar? So, Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism, claimed to have a divine visitation from an angel, and from that he wrote his version of the Bible, the Book of Mormon. His work continues through the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which is a huge <laughs> organization. And we've heard a lot about that organization in uh, the last few years and the, the leader of the current leader of that organization and things going on there. Another one, Mary Baker Eddy, Eddie, another one, Christian Science. Uh, she claimed to uh, divine inspiration and a new revelation concerning health and healing, you'll remember. And uh, Christian Science came out of that and still today there's a huge following. Uh, of people uh, who believe who believe that or how about this one the new age movement <laughs> when you don't know what it is you just call it the new age right and what that is is all types of religions and spiritualist influences filled with thousands of revelators psychics and mediums who claim to have tapped into a new stream of energy Multitudes, millions of people have followed them. Millions of people. That's just a few. We can go on and on. Scientology, another one. You see shows on TV about that now <laughs> and how trying to free and save people from it. There are tons of religions and cults. Now, it's not lost on me <laughs> that some would say, that we, yes, us, <laughs> Bible-believing, spirit-filled Christians are deceived. <laughs> that we, us, are the cult. <laughs> Have you heard that ever? Oh, your church? Oh, you go to that church. Oh, I think they're a cult. Never step foot in the door, but they think that they're a cult. <laughs> right? You've been there. I've been there. I've heard that for a lot of my life. <laughs> uh, 
And so uh, they say we're deceiving the people. I've heard it many times. And we're going to hear it even more as the day of Jesus draws near. We talked about persecution last time we were together. And so the difference between us, and I'll just speak for this house, and these other religion, religions, uh, is our belief in the core Bible doctrine of salvation through Christ alone. You sit down with some of these others, that is not a belief that they hold. In fact, lots of them, we were talking with Nation Craig about this a few days ago, uh, a lot of them won't even use the name of Jesus. That's, that's what they're against. And so uh, we believe that salvation is through Christ alone. We believe in his death, burial, and resurrection, and his present-day position. We believe that. And that separates us from some of these other religions. Um, these other religions don't hold these beliefs. And they alter the meaning of the word of God concerning these things, and they lead many astray. We tell you, bring your Bible to church, or your tablet, your phone, whatever. Bring it to church. Look up the verses. They'll tell you what Bible. <laughs> Don't bring it to church. <laughs> Take my word for it. And so we tell you at home, personal devotion, time with the Lord, being a student of the word of God, doing the word is important. That's not preached in a lot of these other, that's how you know the difference. It's not preached in a lot of these other religions and cults and false uh, teachings. And so um, that's the, the main difference between us. Uh, a lot of churches like ours have added various things to our service to make it more relevant and things, but we have to exercise caution with those things and make sure that it's aligned to the word of God. Uh, there is making, you know, service, rele you know, relevant and that kind of thing, but not to go astray from the word based on the word of God. And so uh, I know in this church, that's what we strive to do. And when you stick to the Bible, you can never go wrong. Amen. <laughs> you can't go wrong. When, you, when that's your manual for life, you'll, you'll never go wrong. Now, throughout the Pauline epistles, the Apostle Paul addressed this particular issue of false prophets and false teachings or false religions. Uh, for instance, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, those who are doing their reading, we read through 1 Corinthians 1, your daily Bible reading with us. Uh, he tells them he heard from someone, <laughs> someone told, that uh, there is division in the church and that it was surrounding their beliefs and what they were being taught. So he, he heard this from a family. He actually called her out. It was like Dorcas or whatever her name was. I'm like, oh, she got called out. She told. Uh, but he said, I heard from this family that you are to. So he addressed it. He didn't just let it go and fester and grow. He addressed it right there with the Corinthian church. In 2 Corinthians 11:14, Paul again addresses false prophets and says that Satan himself discussed disguises himself as an angel of light. Well, if he does it, people do it. <laughs> you heard sheep in wolf's, uh, wolf's clothing? Yeah. And so uh, in Galatians chapter 1, again, Paul tells the church there in Galatia that he's surprised 
that they're so quick to accept a distorted version of the gospel than the one he taught them. He said he was surprised. He thought he taught them well. But he was surprised that they quickly accepted something else. And he went on to explain again that uh, how he came to the knowledge of Jesus and how that his teaching came from that encounter. He always, anytime he addressed this, he led them back to Jesus. And that's what, that's the anchor right there. We lead back to Jesus. Okay, wait, okay, I understand that. But Jesus. <laughs> And so he would lead them through the whole story of how Jesus came and how he died and how he rose again and how they're seated together with him in heavenly places and how his ministry continues through the church. Uh, he would lead them through that and just get that doctrine in them again. And he was surprised. Uh, he always brought them back to Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. In 2 Peter chapter 2, the Apostle Peter also warns about false prophets. And he says, they will be among you and they will bring in their destructive teachings. You see uh, something falling apart and, and not their strife and discord and all of that? That's not from God. God is a God of order. Amen. He's a God. So you see all that, then you know, mm -mm, something's not right. There's your first indication. Destructive teachings. The teaching of Jesus does not destruct. It instructs <laughs> and it constructs. <laughs> it does not destruct. Amen? Hallelujah. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, he confirms what Jesus said in the Gospels. He said, many people will follow. I'll read it out of the Amplified Classic. It says, but also in those days, there arose false prophets among the people. Listen to what he says. Just as there will be false teachers among yourselves who will subtly and stealthily introduce heretical doctrines, destructive heresies, even denying and disowning the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. <laughs> and verse 2, it says, And many multitudes, that word in Greek is, will follow their immoral ways and lascivious doings. Because of them, the true way will be maligned and defamed. The message translation of this chapter in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, it says, But there were also lying prophets among the people then, just as there will be lying religious teachers among you. They'll smuggle in destructive divisions, pitting you against each other, <laughs> biting the hand of the one, capital O, who gave them a chance to have their lives back. They've put themselves on a fast downhill slide to destruction, but not before they recruit a crowd of mixed up followers who can't tell right from wrong. They give the way of truth a bad name, 
They're only out for themselves. They'll say anything, anything that sounds good to exploit you. They won't, of course, get by with it. I love it. <laughs> They'll come to a bad end. God has never just stood by and let that kind of thing go on. I love my father. <laughs> I find it very interesting, though, in this chapter that the first things he says in verse 2 when talking about false teachings that many will follow, the first things he says is immorality and lascivious doings. Lascivious refers to sexual behavior, and what he's referring to here is sexual behavior that is lewd, dirty, filthy, foul, obscene, vulgar, fill in the blanks. Does this sound familiar to us? There is a huge push for inclusion and acceptance of all types of sexual attraction. All types. And if you don't accept it, there's a push to have that classified as a hate crime. There is nothing new under the sun. This was happening in the early church, and we're just seeing an escalation of it now. That's what we're seeing. So, you know, a lot of times you turn on the TV and you're surprised. <laughs> what now? Huh? What's this now? <laughs> we're, we're doing what now? And so, but just know, Matthew 24 tells us it's coming. And multitudes, multitudes, will be led astray because of it. So, in verse 17 to 19 of that second Peter, that chapter there, there's nothing to these people, they're dried up fountains, storm-scattered clouds, headed for a black hole in hell. They are loud mouths, full of hot air, but they're still dangerous. Men and women, who have recently escaped. Now, this is a warning. Men and women who have recently escaped from a deviant life are most susceptible to their brand of seduction. They promise these newcomers freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For if they're addicted to corruption, then they're enslaved. It's so vital for you and I as believers to know in whom we believe and what we believe and to stay vigilant like it says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. Again, I'm going to read out the message. The message is pretty plain. <laughs> uh, but you, friends, to my simple brain, <laughs> but you, friends, are well warned. Be on guard lest you lose your footing and get swept off your feet by these lawless and loose-talking teachers. Grow in grace and understanding of our Master and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's a warning and there's a what to do in this verse. We cannot get lax in what we believe. 
If we are people of faith, believers, followers of Jesus, we need to press in to him daily and into his word and grow in grace and understanding of him and his ways. There's no other way around it. There's no other way around it. It's so easy to get swept off your feet if you have no roots. It's so easy to just get swept away if you have no roots. I remember we'd go to Newport often. We'd go to the beach, some of our favorite times together as a family. And my sister and I loved the water. We loved the waves. But I tell you, when uh, we'd stand on the shore, because we'd like to go all the way out and ignore them when they said it was time to go, we'd be like, he's saying it's time to go. So we'd turn our backs. <laughs> Don't listen. You know. But uh, we'd get on the shore there. We'd get on the, the beach, you know, the sand, and we'd stand there. And for some reason, when the waves break, right when they break, like right there, it's not even deep. It's the hardest to stand. <laughs> It's, you're, you're trying to put your feet in, and we were little, we were little kids, you're digging your feet in the sand, trying to just stay there, and you're like, oh, you know, falling over, just tiny little waves are knocking you over. Well, that's how it is when we're not rooted and grounded in the Word of God. <laughs> we don't allow the Word in us. You know, sometimes we'll read it, when, maybe when we need it, when we really need it. But when we're not a student of the word of God, it's not, we're not rooted and grounded in it. Anything that comes will just disrupt us. <laughs> we'll just knock us down. And yeah, we'll get up because that's what we do. But, you know, it happens over and over and over and over again. And you would think we get it. <laughs> oh, wait, this is the answer. And so uh, staying in the Word of God and not just reading. I don't just mean read the Word of God. I mean get in the Word of God. Dig into it. Make it something that you love. Because, you know, I eat every day, obviously. <laughs> and I'm sure all of you do too. But uh, we should also eat the Word of God. We need a spiritual diet much more than we need this physical diet. I mean... For me, anyway. <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can really use a lot of time in here as compared to <laughs> the physical food. But uh, I tell you, you know, it's a nutrition that we need. And many lack that nutrition because, I mean, it's right there. It's in our homes. They don't tell us we can't have it like they do in other countries. We have, like I said, 20 Bibles laying around. We got it on every app we can, you know, every device we want to put it on. And yet, we just don't spend the time in it like we should. Do you know that pastors, there's the average pastor, and I've said this before, and it just saddens my heart, but the average pastor spends four minutes a day with the Lord. Isn't that sad? Four minutes a day, the average pastor that's just horrible. And we wonder why pastors are committing suicide and not being able to lead a church. It's hard enough. You know, you get burned out as a pastor and stuff. We understand. But I tell you, you'd get further if you'd spend more than four minutes with God every day. Hallelujah. <laughs> 
So yeah, that's a, that's a horrible stat. I, when I read that, I'm like, oh, <laughs> Lord, let that not be me. No. <laughs> I, I spend, I mean, four minutes the minute I get up, you know, that's, <laughs> that's like so fast, you know. But think about these churches and the pastors, and if that's the average, that's a lot of churches around this world where pastors spend four minutes with the Lord every day. That's a shame. I'm sorry, but no wonder the devil seems to be winning, <laughs> right? No wonder there's so many defeated Christians because I can't give what I don't have. You can't give what you don't have. And the world needs us to give. They need it. So we've got to fill up on the word of God so we can give out. Amen? Hallelujah. So when you are rooted and grounded in the word of God, you will be immovable. Immovable. The most dangerous thing for a believer to do is to hang out on the outside perimeter with one foot in and one foot out. Dangerous place to be. You know, I said it earlier, I, you know, I'll read the word of God when I feel like it. <laughs> or, you know, I'm not feeling like going to church today. I don't feel like praying. Dangerous place to be. Dangerous place uh, to be. That kind of thinking puts us in a dangerous position. You ever hear of the saying, low-hanging fruit? Hmm. That term describes a thing or person that can be won, obtained, or persuaded with little effort. That's the position that a believer puts themselves in when they skirt around the outside perimeter. You know, some days I'll do, you know, what I know I need to do. Because we all know we need to do it. <laughs> we do. We know what we need to do as believers. We know what we need to do. Laziness keeps us from doing it. You know, other things, shiny object syndrome keeps us from doing it. But... We become low-hanging fruit. That's why Jesus said multitudes will be deceived by multitudes of false prophets. Because these people who hang out there and who are low-hanging fruits, they're easy targets. They're easy targets. It won't take much to deceive them because they're not pressing into God and his word daily. They are not students of the word who are rooted and grounded in it. Those who are won't be deceived. That's a sure, I'm telling you, there's a sure way, 100% guaranteed that you will not be deceived and be followed someone who is deceived. Stay in the word of God. <laughs> Stay, get rooted and grounded in him. That's the surefire way to not be one of those people. <laughs> one of the ways the devil will deceive us is by getting us to question the integrity of the word of God. That's one of the ways, uh, you know, like, I know the Bible says this, but I feel this. We are seeing this, and, and again, we talked to uh, the Bartons, I, we were, had a conversation about this, as an educator and as uh, individuals who are actually going to school and also, you know, higher learning, uh, they are aware of this in our universities. 
This is huge. They're indoctrinating your children. <laughs> you know, if we're not telling our children, here's, here's what mama and daddy believe, and, and you need to <laughs> look into this and get this in you and see, you know, this is why. This is why we believe this. Not just because mom said so. Or dad, this is what dad, my dad believed, my great-grandmother and, you know, her mother and her aunt and their grandfather. So that's why I believe it. Well, what does it mean? Oh, I don't know, but I believe it. Well, then you send your kid off, pat him on the head, pay for his schooling, and he comes home, a child you don't even know who they are anymore. Who are you? <laughs> what happened? Where, where'd you go? Yeah. This is what they're doing in schools. Because here's the thing. They say the world is evolving. It has always been evolving. Every year it evolves. And so the Bible should evolve. Hebrews says Jesus, the word, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And guess what? It's always relevant. <laughs> and... When something comes up, well, that's not what it really means. It's not really clear on that if it goes against what they want, their agenda. That's not really clear. What's the saying? It's all subjective. It's, it's all subjective. And that is, you know, based on your own opinions, feelings, and experiences. That's what they water down the word to. We shouldn't water down the word to match our experiences. No, elevate your life <laughs> to the word and to the standard that God has set for us. To his standard. A lot of Christians are allowing their feelings and experiences to override what the word of God says. You know what we call that? Deception. It's already started. It's deception. It's deception. And multitudes are going in that direction. Well, God says to love everybody. And so, you, you know, you, and I don't really think it means this in this way. The minute we start saying what our opinion is, we got problems. Why don't we, we read it and everything else. <laughs> give and it should be, you guys should give. But when it comes to this, uh, he, I don't think that's what he meant. <laughs> no. If he meant it with this, he means it with everything. What he says is true. Do you, either you believe it or you don't. Either you believe it or you don't. And that's deception. We don't water down the word of God to match our experiences and to confirm our feelings. No. We elevate our experiences and feelings to align with the word of God. So come closer to the inner circle and stop walking that outside perimeter because you're putting yourself in a very vulnerable position. I like to say, stay close to the fire. <laughs> or what Jesus said, stay connected in John 15. Stay connected to the vine. Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong that way. We do this now. And when these multitudes of false prophets and false religions begin to rise, we won't be deceived 
we won't even be phased by it. That's how we hold our position. Amen? I like what Peter said. We just looked at it uh, with all of this in 2 Peter 2, 3 in the message. They, those people who lead people astray, won't, of course, get by with it. They'll come to a bad end, for God has never just stood by and let that kind of thing go. One translation says, it will be handled swiftly. So we'll see an increase of false prophets and teachings and multitudes will be deceived and follow, but that will come to an end abruptly. And part of that is because Jesus <laughs> is coming soon. Amen? He is coming soon. And so we know this to be true. Hallelujah. So what's our position in all this? We become or continue to be a student of the word of God. Get rooted and grounded in the word so we are not easily deceived and swept away. Parents who have children, young people, this is something that, you know, your next part, even grandkids, those of us who have grandkids, uh, that it's, it's important for us to teach our kids the word of God. To teach them why we believe. And don't be ignorant of other people's beliefs. <laughs> Especially at that age. Because you're going to come up against, you know, those of us who are older, our circles tend to be smaller and it's all kind of the same type of people we hang around. So you're not questioning what I believe. I ain't questioning what you believe. But you get around people who like to debate. Have any friends who like to debate? <laughs> Family members <laughs> who like to debate? And I tell you, they come with it. They know their stuff. And you quote a scripture and they tear it apart. <laughs> and you're like, oh, shoot, I better go back to the closet. <laughs> I thought I knew this. <laughs> yeah, no, study to show yourselves approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. During your time with God, he'll show you things. He'll, he'll reveal things to you that you're like, ah, that's why that settles my heart. This is why. I believe it. I know for many years, you know, uh, you know the whole talking in tongues thing, and I grew up uh, in a, going to a school where they actually would call my sister and I up and go, <laughs> speak in tongues. And so, you know, we'd be like, okay. <laughs> so, you know, they're this principal of the school, the teacher, so we do it. Well, they wanted us to do it so they could make fun of us. It was about the school, you know, that's the school we went to. And they'd make fun of us. The principal of the school would make fun of me and my sister while praying in tongues. And so they'd say, tell us why you do that. Well, we were smart enough to know why we did that. We had chapter and verse on it. But we had a hard time explaining it. And so they'd come, well, what about this verse? You know, he said, you know, I wish I spoke in tongues more than you are. But I'll pray my understanding. They always bring that verse in. And, you know, we're like, um... Uh, maybe you want to call my mom and dad <laughs> and ask them. I mean, we were only like eight, nine years old, 10 years old, 11 years old. Um, we weren't older than that. And so 
they really would just push us on that and debate. And then we have the argument, the, you know, when I was in high school, I went to a Christian school, they actually had us do a debate, a Bible debate. <laughs> Every time that came up, because I was the type, I'm like, listen, I've been swimming, and I'll tell you this now, I've been swimming in this pool for 40-something years. You're trying to tell me there's no water in the pool. Too late. Bye-bye. And I move on. That's, I don't argue or debate with an individual who I know doesn't want to see the truth. They just want to argue. <laughs> so I just tell them that. I've been swimming in the pool, doing backstrokes, spins, somersaults, all that. The water's beautiful, so move along to someone else. Because I, I'm, I'm sure and confident of this belief. We got to get our kids that comfortable and know what they believe. Because when they go out to university, <laughs> they are going to question that belief. You've got atheists teaching in universities. Yeah. And they are good at debating. I will never debate an atheist because it's just, they're not looking for the truth. They just want to just, you know, make you question the integrity of the word. Unless God has me do that. I'm not going to say I'm not. Forgive me, Lord, if that's what you want me to do. But I, I'd be led. I'd be led, you know. Uh, but any time a debate, I never liked the debate team. I never, we had to debate one saved, always saved. This side of the congregate, this side of the class had to say why we don't believe what's saved. This side of the class have to say why we don't. Oh, and you know, you had some really smart people who, you know, they, they, oh, I'm like, why are we doing this? But it was, it was good because it helped me firm and confirm my belief. It really helped me to be like, no, I can't be swayed from this. And I'm sure that this is what I believe. You know, if I hear something different, mm, God's going to have to talk to me on that one. I'll put that on the shelf. If he tells me that that's so, then we'll go that direction. But for now, I'm going to stick with the word. <laughs> I'm going to stick with what I know. Not that I'm not open to revelation, and, but, but God will show you and it will bear witness with your heart. Amen? That's how he leads us. That's still inward witness. Amen? So, come, become a student of the word. Get rooted and grounded in it. And then another thing that we need to do is pray for those who we know that have been deceived. I'm sure we all know individuals who are deceived currently, right now, deceived. And we pray that the blinders will be removed and that the glorious light of the gospel will shine on them and that they will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. And so that's the position. I know that, again, this subject is not like, mm, this is wonderful. Let's stand up and shout. But it really is important for us to get this on the inside of us because we're going to see this happen. Jesus prophesied it. He, and everything he said so far has come to pass. <laughs> yeah, he's the authority here. <laughs> And so uh, everything that he says happens. And so we're going to see it. It's not a question of uh, will it happen, it's when. And we're already seeing it happen. And so we'll be ready. Amen? We'll be ready with all of these things. 
we'll be ready. And we know what our position is. Our response, we're not a react, we're not reacting, but we're responding in faith. Amen? The way we respond to everything else. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hope you got something that from that tonight. I know I did. I just thank God. It just makes me want to press into him even more and press into his word even more. Hallelujah. If I've been doing it for this long, I'm just going to add to it and do it longer because I, I need, I need to be, make sure that I'm in the right place. And I'm not one of those pastors four minutes a day. To me, that's a joke. <laughs> that's a joke. So thank God we're in a church that we don't have to. I know Pastor Justin is all about the word of God. <laughs> He's not in it just for four minutes a day either. So you can rest assured your youth and your teens are hearing the word of God. Amen. Mom and dad, they're in the word lots. <laughs> so we've not had a church that it's only, you're only getting four minutes a day <laughs> from, from the, no, no, thank God. Thank God for the ability to know better, to know better, and to do better. Amen? Hallelujah. If you'd like to give tonight, Mr. Donnie will serve you. Thank you, Mr. Donnie. Those of you watching online, we have had a change with how we do our online giving, and we'll update that for you all. We now have an 800, a toll-free number for you to... Uh, text you're giving to and we'll just put that up there for you uh, starting on Sunday some of the carriers are doing away with the five-digit codes and so we've had to do that and make that change and so uh, you can go on our website fathershousefamilychurch.com and you can give there uh, there's an online giving button there and it will take you to the same place hallelujah you know, every time that we give, we know that we are partnering with God for the advancement of his kingdom. Amen? You know, we don't just watch the bucket and watch as it goes away and go, oh, I lost that money. No, we don't lose that money. We've sowed it. We've invested it into the kingdom of God. And so we thank God for the opportunity to give. We say in this church, we don't have to give. We get to give. Amen? Glory to God. So we talk about on Sundays, unexpected income. So Kev got a blessing that I'll tell you because it came to my house. <laughs> so he got, I opened the mail. I'm like, oh, this looks like a check from Wells Fargo. And we got a check from Wells Fargo a few months ago. How much was it? Like $20 or something? It was like 20 bucks. So I'm like, all right, and it's going to be one of those. So Eric standing there, and it has my name and his because I had co-signed for a vehicle for him back in like 2012. He paid it off actually in 2012. And so um, it's a check for $751. <laughs> yeah. Eric said, next time you tell Kev, any check that comes to my house, it's mine. <laughs> okay, but that's your name on it. <laughs> but yeah, it was because they did not notify him uh, when his payment was overdue a few times doesn't pay well I guess it does pay to be late with your payments <laughs> well they look back and they did an audit of the account which has been closed since 2012 and that check appeared in the mail today right so you know and we expect it every time Eric goes out to the mailbox he's like checks in the mail and I'm like yeah ha, ha, you know and I believe I agree with him but his faith is there more <laughs> than ever and so and it happens it happens all the time so we thank God for it and what do we do we give, we have the opportunity to give more, amen? amen. When he gives to us, we, we are able and we have our capacity for giving is even increased. Hallelujah. Father, 
We just thank you for this opportunity to give. We thank you that you are the God of grace. And so you supply seed to the sower and bread for food. You multiply the seed that we sow and you increase even the fruits of our righteousness. We thank you, Father, that the windows of heaven are opened and that you are pouring out a blessing that we don't even have the room or the capacity to put it where to store it. But I thank you that even that you increase in Jesus name. I thank you, Father, that as we partner with you and we invest in your kingdom, that we will never go without in Jesus name. We give all the honor and the glory to you in Jesus name. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Mr. Donnie. You can serve the people. Bless the Lord. Well, uh, on uh, Sunday, it's uh, Communion Sunday, so for those of you who will be uh, joining us online, prepare your elements in your heart. Those who are coming, prepare your hearts, and we'll just receive the covenant meal, the meal that heals. Amen? We're excited anytime we can partake of communion together as a family. Glory to God. Did I have something else I need to say? Oh, I thought you waved at me. All right. Uh, Friday evening, prayer right here, corporate prayer. And uh, I don't think we have any events coming up this weekend. Wow. This is a free weekend. <laughs> Except for Sunday. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.